This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know things are going well when City convert two penalties in one game and that's exactly what they did to help knock Chelsea out of the FA Cup by a score of 4-0. But City's liquid football on Sunday evening has left us with a burning question. Do the Blues play better football without Erling Holland? It's Monday, January 9th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Andrew Debmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. We got some more American blood here. I feel like we should be drinking Bud Light and eating brats while we do do this just to make it a true all-American podcast. I mean, I will say that for the first time in several years on Friday night, uh, I consumed at least a pitcher's worth of Budweiser, not Bud oh, Light, Budweiser. God. And then the next morning, I remembered why I have not consumed even a pint of Budweiser in a very long time. Well, it is the world's highest selling beer, so there's something about it. I don't know what the something is, but there's something about it. I mean, if you want to drink a loaf of bread in every glass, I guess you know that's what you need. You know what's funny though is I almost only drink Guinness and at least here in America it's a very misunderstood beer and I often get shit when I order Guinness and they're like how do you drink that it's so dark and heavy and I say mm, actually uh, it's probably the lowest calories and lowest alcohol content that we get here on an American menu that's not yeah. a, a a light beer designed to be low in calorie Yeah yeah unless it you're, unless you're comparing it to a Michelob Ultra like it's a pretty solid choice to not feel terrible the next day exactly all right well let's not talk about beer although i could talk about beer forever let's talk about the football city beat chelsea 4-0 a few hours ago um pretty comfortable victory chelsea looked abject uh to be as nice as i can be to them um obviously this comes only what 72 hours after beating them in the league 
this was a lot more of a comfortable victory. Let's start with the lineup because obviously the system we've been playing, the personnel, it's kind of been the topic on everybody's lips as of late. Um, but we finally see Pep go back to this 4-3-3 overlapping fullbacks, Kyle Walker on the right, Sergio Gomez on the left, playing in their natural positions on their natural sides. And what did we get? Liquid fucking football. I mean, I think you're right. Although I will say we got a free kick goal. We got two penalty kicks. We've got Chelsea that uh, is trying to put a team together and the cupboard's fairly bare. Um, So I'm definitely in line with you that I would say that we did look better. And I think there were a lot of positives to take from this. But I will also say that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of names on that Chelsea roster that you're like, yeah, those are good players, but like that's not a good team. Um, and so I, I think that we, I, I would caution people to think like, oh, this is the demonstration that exactly what everyone thinks we need to be doing is 100% correct. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's more the fact that, you know, this game could have finished 25 nil or it could have finished one nil. And and for me, it was the fact that we've seen the things that we've right. become used to at City, which is overloads in wide positions, the triangles to create overloads, overloading the midfield, the press. I mean, for me, that was the biggest thing was the press. I mean, Chelsea could not get out of their own half. If you look at a heat map of, of, of them retaining the ball, it's basically right. all their own half. They, they didn't have any forays into the City half. And I think Largely, that has to do with City's press. Obviously, their back four was had an average age of about 12, which doesn't help. Um, well, I mean, which is actually pretty impressive considering Koulibaly is in that <laughs> back four. Yeah, and he's about 41. So, yeah, yeah. I, for me, it was more about the run of play, not necessarily the result. It just looked yeah. like the City team that we have come to know and love in the past five or six years. Whether or not we see that again next time there's a Premier League game or a Champions League game rolling around, I probably doubt it. I think we'll see Pep go back to a more controlled style of play. But at least we can say it was fun to see this kind of, I wouldn't say heavy metal football, but back to doing what we do best, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I I do think, though, that it going so well will give Pep confidence that there are matches where we don't need to control everything. And I, I think that if City was only playing the way we have played the past few matches against a team like Chelsea away or Liverpool away. Fine. Like, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I can at least understand the thought process, but like we didn't need to play that way against Everton. We didn't need to play that way, you know, against Brentford or, you know, some of these other teams we played. Like when we play Southampton on Wednesday, I know it's not the, you know, Premier League. I know it's the league cup, but like there is zero reason to not just run this playbook back against Southampton, who, if you think, Chelsea have looked bad as of late. Let me introduce you to a team that uh, <laughs> is god awful. Fired their manager who had kept them afloat for a couple of years, and then replaced them with a guy that I don't think actually understands like at all what he needs to do with at this level of the game. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I I think if this convinces Pep that we can l- let the reins go a little bit more in some of these matches, great. Um, but I think you're right that we probably are still going to see some level of control from Pep and this city team um, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the litmus test will be going to Old Trafford after the Southampton game to kind of see where Pep's thoughts are. I, I would expect we probably go back to 
that more controlled kind of brutish style of play that we've seen. Um, but on the lineup itself, I mean, we got to see Sergio Gomez come back in the lineup. Obviously, Julian Alvarez gets his first start since the World Cup. Cole Palmer. Was there anybody in particular that stood out for you? Obviously, Riyad Mahrez gets man of the match deservedly. Um, I just want to start with Sergio Gomez before you answer that question, actually, because I think he came in for a lot of stick. There was the red card at, what was it, Copenhagen. Um, yeah. And kind of got exiled after that. I mean, we didn't see him in cup games. We rarely saw him come off the bench, if ever. Um, to be fair, we also have had like no cup games until this point in the season. True, true. Um, I was really impressed with him. I think he had his little moments of shakiness defensively. I mean, the few times that that Chelsea kind of ended up in the city half. But as far as what we're used to from a city fullback, tucking in, linking up with the midfielders, hugging the touchline from time to time, I was really impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he showed. I what I what I, in my opinion, what he showed is that he is still definitely an option there for us in certain types of matches. And I think, you know, to your point, having natural wide fullbacks that overlap like that, there is a value in that um, against certain teams. And I think against Chelsea, like one of the reasons that they did not create much is that they just really couldn't get anything going because we just had them so penned in because everyone was forward for city. And that's something we haven't seen uh, a lot this season. And I think that that really helped us. I mean, you know, I, I'm not surprised, but like Chelsea had 0.1 XG in this match. Like they did nothing. Um, And so, yeah, Sergio Gomez was a little shaky, but I think overall, like what he brings you offensively actually does help you out defensively because it just increases the pressure of the other side is under. And I mean, we were three nil up at the half, like that match was completely over. And, you know, it probably would have been a little fun for us had we beat Chelsea, but like six, seven, eight nil. But also there's zero reason to run these guys into the ground with the season we have coming up. So, like, I'm happy, to, you know, that Cancelo, you know, got more minutes and, you know, that Phillips got on and to get some uh, minutes and get up to match fitness. Like this match couldn't have gone any better. And I think Sergio Gomez showing that he is an option as a part of that. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he played less than than an hour do we assume it was one? Yeah, yeah. Do we assume that he starts against Southampton? I don't see why you wouldn't. Now, yeah. I guess it's a question of does Pep want to be able to start Rico? Because I don't think you can start Rico and Sergio Gomez. Um, I mean, actually, I think you can. I just don't know that Pep will. Yeah, th- that's the thing that I was a bit confused by and I don't want to look too far ahead because obviously this is a daily show and we'll cover this in the next few days but with the derby on the horizon you know you kind of look sometimes two games ahead when you see a lineup because you say okay 72 hours later we've got another game and we can assume that the people we're seeing today is probably who we're going to see a similar lineup against United but when you look at this lineup today you probably don't see Sergio Gomez probably don't see Cole Palmer. You probably don't see Julian Alvarez. You don't see any of them starting in the Derby. Does that confuse you? Because I, I looked at today and thought, maybe play your strongest 11 today or the 11 that you want against United so they have a longer break and you have Southampton in between. Or do you think that Pep is using this game against a weakened Chelsea to kind of fit some pieces in that haven't been a part of the puzzle for a while and get them up to speed? I, I think it's more of the second one. I don't think we can take anything away from United. I think... That match against United is going to be the, the squad is going to be kind of who we expected to be. And I would imagine some of those players, you know, so like 
Foden, Bernardo Silva. It would stun me if they weren't on the, the pitch uh, at Old Trafford. But they probably don't play on Wednesday. But I think, you know, I think you can have guys that play Wednesday also play Saturday. What I don't think you can have is, other than maybe Rodri, guys that played today, Wednesday, and Saturday. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, it's someone's going to do that and then they're going to have off, I don't know, I mean, the next match is against Spurs, so like that's a big one too. So like, I yeah, I don't think anyone's going to play all three of these other than maybe Rodri, just because he's a freak. All right, that'll do for part one. In part two, we will be back to chat about a big Norwegian man. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm joined by Andrew Detmer from the Main Road Ramble. Let's talk Holland for a second, because of course he doesn't feature in the game today, but he still makes headlines after the game on the BBC's coverage, they were having a discussion about whether or not City play better football without Holland. Now, I think we can look at this in a multiple, probably more than three or four ways, because you've got, is the football better because they're winning? Is the football better because they're scoring more goals? Is the football better because the system is better? Um, what do you make of that suggestion that they play better football without Holland? Because I think there is an argument to be made for it, but I think we have to kind of define what it means to play better football without Holland. Yeah, I mean, so the issue for me with trying to argue that is, I don't know if anybody remembers, but you know, we've already played played a you know an away or a match against United this season where uh, you know uh, a certain Erling Holland did feature, um, and we scored six goals that match, and we could have scored a lot more. And we wouldn't have given up three goals if not for the fact that Pep hauled all of our varsity off and put in the freshman with like 30 minutes left because that match was dead and buried, right? So is Erling Holland as good at, you know, kind of one-touch football and, you know, the pass-and-move style that we got used to over the last couple of seasons when we didn't have a striker? No. We all know that, right? But that doesn't mean that just because we're playing a different kind of football now with more of a spearhead and like someone at the point of the spear as opposed to going false nine and kind of like passing teams to death, it doesn't necessarily mean that we play worse football. It just changes kind of how you evaluate it. And I would say that that United match shows that we can play that type of football with Holland in the team. But the biggest issue I think is that we have not seen a team that has been set out to play football like that at all. So these like, I get why they're saying it, but it's not a, oh, Holland's the problem. It's a, how is the team set up? Like, the team we saw against Chelsea on, when was that, Wednesday, Thursday? I don't even remember what day. Yeah, Thursday, yeah. Sorry. Thursday. Like, we were talking in our chat when the lineup came out. We were like, we all love this lineup. And then you were immediately like, oh, my God, Ake's at left back. <laughs> and we were like, wait, what, how, with this lineup? And then it's like, oh, well, Cancelo's a right wing. Like, just because the players are out there doesn't necessarily even mean the system is set up to play that football. And so for me, I think it's far too simple to say Erling Holland makes Man City worse at football. It's what does the rest of the team look like and what are they being told to do? Yeah, I, th I think this is just a complete coincidence in that not only did did City play better football today and Erling Holland wasn't there, but it's like you said, it's because of the change of system and, and Holland not being in the, in the squad is a complete coincidence. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a happy medium that needs to be found right between what we saw against Chelsea today and what we saw against Chelsea uh, 72 hours ago. 
Um, and that is being able to play that controlled style of football if that's what Pep wants to do. But, you know, you look at the way the city played in the last, before Holland, 18 months leading up to Holland, it was this swashbuckling football that, yes, controlled games, but City were always top of the charts as far as big chances created. And yes, they were always top of the charts as far as big chances missed. But you kind of think, you know, you can plug and play there a little bit and create loads of chances and have arguably the most lethal striker in Europe on the end of those chances. And we've done this complete 180 in which we put Holland into this system, but we go to this uber controlled system that's not creating the big chances and he can go missing for 60, 70 minutes in a game. Luckily for us, he only needs 10 minutes to score three or four goals, and he does that pretty often. Um, but I think the happy medium has got to be found to be able to control games, but also put your foot on the gas pedal to create loads of chances. Because if you create three, four, five big chances in a game with the big boy up front, chances are you're going to take three or four of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think going back to that, you know, the city first City Nine match this season, like, I replaced a couple of players in that team because our center backs were Ake and Akanji due to injury. So let's replace those with Stones and Laporte. And then Gundawan was our defensive mid. Let's replace him with Rodri. Like that team can do the exact same amount of control we've done the past seasons. But then you have Silva and De Bruyne as the free eights. And then you've got Grealish, Foden, and Holland up top to just absolutely wreck team. Like you play a team like that, you can we'll see the exact same level of like free flowing attacking football that we have seen at times. It just truly has been Pep has wanted us to control. And that's why we played Mares and Grealish as wingers. And I will say, you know what? It's also been really effective. Most games. Yeah. The Everton match didn't work out that well. It's a little bit of a freak coincidence. Now I think that you are increasing the chances of a freak incident hurting you when you play the system, but that doesn't mean it isn't a system that works. So all I want is a happy medium from Pep of like, Let's still control a little bit, but like, let's try to get like two or three goals before we go fully into like, let's just pass the other team to death and like not take any risks. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before we get out of here, let's chat about Riyad Mahrez because he picks up man of the match today, gets two goals. Um, Obviously one was a sensational free kick and then one from the spot, which he put in the roof of the net. Um, He is an enigma to me because he obviously started the season really slowly and seemed to kind of be the odd man out in attack. Um, people kind of, you know, had him at the bottom of the list of wingers. That's even with Jack Grealish not scoring much, Cole Palmer not playing all that well. Um, but he's really kicked into gear in the last couple of weeks, especially since the, the the World Cup ended. Is he working his way back into kind of being, an, uh, not the first name on the team sheet, but one of that first 11? Or is he still somebody that needs to be kind of drip fed in and get him back to that that top form? I mean, I think we're seeing that he's in his top form. I mean, the, that free kick today was full of confidence. His penalty, um, I think, was the stronger of the two penalties. Like, Alvarez's penalty was not far off from being saved. Um, and so I, I, I think he's in top form. You know, I think that City, though, have a good competition at who are you playing at wing. And I think it can kind of be who are you – what are you looking for in each side role? I do think, though, that – Playing Grealish and Mahrez together, I don't like because it just means that unless we are going with overlapping fullbacks, we have zero width. But if you're going to play like a Foden on the left where he can go out left and then a Mahrez on the right, like that's fine with me. I'm cool with it. Like he absolutely deserves a spot. And I mean, he is a match winner. 
He is, I think, going. he's going to be one of these players, weirdly, because of how good City are. Like, we're never going to appreciate actually how talented of a player he is. And, you know, I don't know that he was the perfect player for City when we bought him, but he absolutely has traits that no one else in the squad has. And I will say one of those is that that dude always shows up in big games. Like, that guy, is he's a clutch player. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he kind of was kind of burdened with the idea, you know, of him coming in in an era in, w- in which our wingers are, you know, Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling, these guys that just run and gun down the wings and are electric. And he comes in and, you know, he's always going to cut inside. He's going to do stepovers. He's going to put his foot on top of the ball and slow things down. And in that era of, you know, 18, 19, 19, 20, you kind of kind of makes you pull your hair out a little bit when City were playing this swashbuckling football. But I think this transformation into a more controlled, we've always always been a possession-based team, but have become less direct and, and kind of, you know, kill you with a million cuts. Um, I think he's become the perfect winger for City, like you said. And a player like Grealish, who knows when to take his man on, knows when to put his foot on top of the ball and, and recycle possession and keep things going. Um, I think that he is going to have a huge role to play in the rest of this season. It didn't look likely at the beginning of the season, but I think no. as we get down the stretch, we'll see more big, big moments from him. And I hope we do because uh, I, I adore him and, and he's clearly a confidence player and he deserves to have all that confidence at the moment. All right, one final thing. Um, because we don't have you on the show very often and we are talking lineups and, and personnel, Champions League final tomorrow, what's your eleven? I'm putting you on the spot, by the way. I did. Oh, no, I did not tell you about this. Tell you about this ahead of time. So I'm totally putting you on the spot. Yeah, but it's it's easy for me. So Ederson and goal. Walker on the right. Stones, Laporte, uh, Cancelo, Rodri at defensive mid. De Bruyne, uh, Bernardo Silva in midfield, and then a front three of Foden on the right, Holland through the middle, and Grealish on the left. So you're forsaking the width on the left. I'm forsaking the width on the left, but I'm going for more of a, like, that front three. It just become like, you can move Foden over to the left if you want. To, but I think that front three, the three of them, they have such good chemistry and their skill sets all mesh really well that I think that there's not a defense on this earth that can stop those three from scoring multiple goals in a match. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. We've, we, I've had this conversation a few times on the pod in the last couple of weeks that I've actually weirdly have Mares in my first 11 over Grealish, even though I am the supreme dictator of, of Team Grealish. Um, but yeah, no, I, I fully I, agree. Like for me, I think that's that like the Mares Grealish, like I think basically like you and I are making a similar call there of like, it's kind of like it because both of us, we like width and we are picking players that are going to actively not give you that. Mm-hmm. And so then it, but you're like, but they add other things that are worth bringing. And like, I can a hundred percent like back uh, Mar. Like if, if we had it and Pep goes with my lineup, except it's Phil on the left and Mara's at right wing. I'm not going to be like, ah, like, I'm not gonna lose my mind. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. We're fine. Like really my concern would be like, did he do something weird with midfield? And like, what's our defense look like and how are they playing? Like, that's where I would be concerned. Like the front three, most of the possible computations i'm fine with yeah well we know he has a burner account maybe he also is a a frequent listener of this show and and heard what you're saying so um pep if you're listening we love you but play andrew's lineup 
All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, before we do that, please hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It's the best way to get the show out to other blues like you. Andrew, any last words? Uh, no, just that I enjoy hearing you give the intro. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Uh, I actually have so much stage fright in writing the intros because Amos is much, 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 much better at writing them and he is, he's got a way with words. So, uh, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show today and we will speak to you soon. Cheers. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.